podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hello and welcome to the first Reds Review podcast for this season, season 2021-22. I'm delighted my first guest for this season is Mr. Carl Wilkinson. Carl, how are you doing? Not too bad, Mark. How about yourself? Yes, not too bad, not too bad. Thank you. In the in the clux of an international break, just for clarity for everybody, we are recording this on Wednesday, the 2nd of September. So if we're unfortunate enough, as we've been in the past, for any injuries to occur over the international break, we are none too aware of them at the moment. But yeah, it's just, it's frustrating, isn't it? Three games in and then we break for an international break and it's just not what anybody wants or needs really, is it? Let's be honest, we just want to get back to the, the Premier League and the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, especially given our, our last result was somewhat disappointing and I'm sure we'll obviously come on to that, but you kind of just want to get straight into the next one and put it behind you. But unfortunately, we have to, to wait while uh, these often meaningless fixtures play their way out. Mind you, I am a bit heartbroken after Ireland were moments away from getting a win against Portugal last night, but we, we won't talk anymore about that. No, that was very unfortunate. The the only plus point for me is it's my daughter's birthday this weekend, so we, we timed that well that every year it's just an international break, so that never clashes with a, a Liverpool game, so it doesn't cause an argument with me and the wife whether I choose our daughter or Liverpool. But anyway, we'll move Sorry. on. As we've sort of alluded to, it was just a short, sharp start to the season, really, for Liverpool. Just just the three games in August, as most other teams played, apart from the ones that aren't in Europe and had the Carabao Cup games. So just the three league games to start us with. Started against Norwich City, as we did in our title winning run two years ago. That one was home. This one was away. And I don't know about you, Carl, I wasn't overly fussed about it when they first came out I thought that was a pretty decent start but then when you see the results as they start to happen Brentford beating Arsenal the night before on the Friday night Watford picking up a win so the two promoted teams had already won and all of a sudden that what you think was a nice way to start the season almost started to feel a bit a bit like a banana skin really Sky TV cameras were there half five on a Saturday away to a promoted team what what were your thoughts I mean, similar to yourself, when the, the draw was initially made, I, I was happy enough with it. I mean, the, the two things you kind of look for on an opening day fixture is obviously a home tie. And then secondly, it kind of wants, you know, maybe a, we won't say a weak side, but let's say a, a, a lesser side at that ideally play openly and obviously we were away from home but Norwich are a, a side that like to try and play football and because of that we we tend to get good results against them because they they suit us um but as you said as the results rolled in and you saw Watford and Brentford picking up points you just kind of thought is this an omen for what's to come and then you kind of remembered the last time we played Norwich on, on opening day and obviously that was a, a great season in the end but the game was was a little too open for my liking at times although we could say the same about Leeds last season so I was a little nervous coming towards the game and then obviously we'll, we'll come on to the team but when when that dropped that that made me even more nervous <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to pick you up on there, and this, this is a, a debate, if you like, that rages with, with the opening game. I agree with you. The first thing you're hoping for is a home game, really. And as you say, my take has always been one of the last games, if you like, to get started. But then there is this argument, if you like, that Tottenham caught Man City cold 
and they've beaten Man City at home now before they get into their stride and before they get up and running. And you could argue no team is really at their best early on in the season. So do you think it's better to get a sort of home to a, a Brighton, a Watford, a Norwich type team? Or would you, I know we play Chelsea on the third game, which we'll come to, but just, just without, I think if Tottenham played Man City a couple of months down the line, it would be a different result. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think there's certainly a benefit if you get, you know, one of your rivals on a on a day when you, you can catch some cold, as you said. And in that sense, it would be a positive. But I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. We know that now because Spurs picked up the win. But had Spurs been punted 3-0, you know, we, we wouldn't be thinking that. So I, I think those kind of games can go either way. And I think when we have had those games in the past, I recall... Um, back in the, the day when we had Arsenal when, when they weren't uh, the, the laughing stock they seemed to be at the moment and it ended up a, a draw at Anfield and you know you, you want to get off with a win so I think just when you're playing these teams and no disrespect these teams as, as we, we already spoke about Brentford and Watford were able to put it in and pick up wins so you don't count them out completely but nonetheless you know they, they are the, the pre- preferable sides to take on for me yeah, as, as you alluded to, that it's hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I, rem- I remember that Arsenal 1-1 game. I was actually on my honeymoon in Mexico at the time. I think, was it Joe Cole's debut when he got sent off? And It was indeed. <laughs> and David Ungog scored. So, I mean, we're not, we're not going to get into the whole debacle about the transfer window and if we're strong, squad is strong enough, etc. But yeah, cash your mind back to the start of the 2010-11 season when we had David Ungog and Joe Cole amongst our mitts and think how far far we've come, thankfully. But you alluded to then, you were a bit mixed with a draw. You were happy when it landed. Norwich away, it's a a fairly comfortable start on paper. But then when the team dropped, you lost it a bit. I'm going to jump straight in and presume you meant around the midfield there because the back four, Robertson aside, who we knew was missing, is pretty much the back four Jürgen would choose. Alisson in goal, Trent at right back. Matip tended to have edged ahead of Gomez, you could argue, depending on both of them have been injury prone, unfortunately, over the last two years. But I think Matip had sort of stepped just ahead of Gomez in that regard. Simicas had done well in pre-season. And as you say, Robertson was no surprise. We knew he was out. And again, with Jota in ahead of Firmino, I don't think that surprised anybody, really. That was the tendency to go to front three across pre-season. So I'm guessing it's midfield, but that had you quivering a little bit, shall we say. Yeah, certainly. I mean, when you, you look at the midfield, you, you start with James Milner at, at number six. Um, we would have expected Fabinho to start until the team dropped and he wasn't. So I think that was the, the big miss there. But also there was question marks over the other two to degree, given that last season both of them spent much of the much of the season missing. They they were technically available at times, but others were preferred to them, even when we were struggling injury wise. So you know, it was a midfield that you just didn't know what you were going to get. And I think, you know, as we will get into the game, but it, it's not like my fears were allayed in the first half. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think from from sort of re- remembering the, the preview shows on AI Pro, the, the scouts that Dave and Carl do, it was pretty much everybody expected the team to be the team. There was only that sort of call, whether it would be Fabinho, Starting, I think Henderson and Thiago went weren't ready yet. Nobody expected Elliot to start as as we'll come on to. We did in the next two games, so I think it was always going to be three from four available. It just so happens that Fabinho is, without doubt, the best of our midfielders, certainly in the defensive role. So yeah, I was disappointed as well that he was the the fourth midfielder, if you like, and and didn't start. But we went with what we've got. It's it was a shaky start. I think Milner got a yellow card quite early on. And I think of the three, Naby was certainly the brightest spark throughout the 90. I think Ox struggled a little bit. But again, it's I, I can't remember a game where these three started together. I don't really remember pre-season where they had a lot of minutes on the pitch together, those three. So it's understandable, if you like, that it was a bit mixed. But of the, the last 
successful Liverpool teams, the one that won the league and the Champions League. It was a continual midfield, really. Certainly a continual presence of Ginny Wijnaldum that was missing. Fabinho played a lot of games there. Henderson had until sort of Christmas time last year where he got injured. So it was probably the area on the pitch that was thrown together and, and that certainly showed. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, we saw Keita and Ox start in midfield with Fabinho in the past and it was very disjointed. They were both very... There was large gaps between them and Fabinho and it was easy for, for the opposition to, to carve through us through the middle. And for that reason, you have to commend Keita because I think he was a lot uh, more disciplined in his defensive contribution. And I think we saw signs of that in pre-season. So it was positive coming into the season in, in terms of him. Um, and he did continue that into this game, which was good to see because I think if it hadn't been for him, I'd, I'd shudder to think how the midfield would have been in that first half because, you know, Norwich aren't the strongest side, but they do have some very good midfielders, particular Billy Gilmore is on loan from Chelsea. We're familiar with him after he gave us a masterclass in the FA Cup previously. So I think it has to be handed to, to Keita because he, he was the one positive in, in that midfield in the first half. He certainly was. And it's it's just a frustrating, isn't it, with Keita, that I don't know about you or anybody listening, the back of your mind is always... That's, we know he's capable of that and he's capable of better. It's just this consistency and that, that he gets a strong run in the team and doesn't pick up these niggles and loses momentum. And as you say, he was by far our best midfielder on the day. And you alluded to Billy Gilmore East. As you said, for Chelsea in the FA Cup, nobody had really heard of him until he played that day. He played really well that day. He's sort of seen as one of the bright sparks for Scotland moving forward. And he didn't look out of his depth in that game at all. He is he is a very good player. But we went with what we went with. We were fortunate. Well, you could argue fortunate or not, but we got ahead. It was a well-worked team goal. And Diego Jota got our first goal of the season. Thoughts on that one? I mean, it, it was funny because, you know, in the, the run-up to it, I'd, I'd been, I was watching it with my brother and we were commenting on how Jota hadn't really been involved and then out of nowhere, he pops in with the goal. And, you know, it, it, it reminded me of, I know I hate to, to bring up our, our bitter enemies, but Rude Van Nisseroy for United back in the day, you know, you'd, you'd see him in a game and he wouldn't be involved at all, you know, defensive contributions and that weren't really his thing. But then suddenly the ball had come to his feet in the box and he'd come alive and it'd be in the back of the net. And Jota seems to have a bit of that, that spark to him when he plays as the, the front man. Uh, obviously, when he plays from the left, he does get more involved in things. But I, I think he, he certainly is that fox in the box when it, it, it comes to, to playing as a striker. And I mean, it shows when you look at his, his uh, shot placement stats. I mean, they're they're off the charts. I mean, he's just so accurate. And you just you expect him to test the keeper when he gets the, the ball. And I suppose that's that's the argument, isn't it? When when you come to picking the team, really, it's pretty much always Mane and Salah are starting. And then the argument is whether it's Jota or Bobby. And they are such different players. As you say, Jota's, he's not really involved in the game very much, whereas Bobby's dropping deep into the sort of 10 role quite a lot and helping the midfield out and linking the play more. But look at how successful Van Nistelrooy was for United. And that... That's what you want, really. We want we want more goal threat. We need more goal threats. The last 18 months, two years, Firmino hasn't been as sharp as he has been. And he's not always been the goal threat, has he? So having that other option that's the goal threat. But again, jumping ahead, you look to the Chelsea game, you can understand the reasons why Bobby was picked in that game and, and Jota being the option off the bench. But to have more threat in front of goal is definitely what we want. And we haven't had that. Fox in the box, if you like, for, for quite a number of years, really. So it, it is nice to see, and he doesn't look out of place with the other front three at all. No, not at all. I mean, it, it's horses for courses, as they say. I mean, some some games you want, you're going to want to have Jota in there because we, we had games last year where, you know, we had a lot of possession high up the pitch and we just couldn't 
we weren't testing keepers and it was frustrating to see and you don't you don't have that when Jota's there because when he gets the ball he's gonna take a shot and he's gonna test that keeper whereas obviously as you pointed to to Chelsea which will come on to you know that that kind of game you might want Firmino because he he harries the the opposition defense and drops into midfield and and makes a nuisance out of himself and and that can lead to, to quick turnovers in our, our favour and allow the other two to, to get in behind so it really is about picking the, the best attack for the opposition that's put in front of them Yeah absolutely and again I think with, with this one just to, to sort of sum up the Norwich game really I think the substitutions were right they were made at the right time Firmino comes on it, it was a well worked team goal he, put, he couldn't miss really from where he was and then Mo gets his traditional opening day goal to break the record of five opening games on the run scoring. For me, that was the pick of the goal and a comfortable 3-0 win. But one thing I did want to pick your, your brains on, really, it's 3-0. So the result isn't in any doubt whatsoever. But but that save from Allison towards the end of the game, just, just to get that clean sheet, I think was massive, really. Having Van Dyke's first game back after a long injury, Matip's first game back after a long injury, no Fabinho. And yes, no disrespect, it is only Norwich. But I think just the confidence that can give the team moving forward and just to keep that goals against Column down could prove huge in the future. So to me, that was a, a vital part of the match, even though it wasn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, as the as that chance came to to pass, you know, in the middle of it, my thought was, oh no, we're not going to get the clean sheet. And you know, while it wouldn't have been the end of the the world, it, it is. You know, the first thing you're looking for on opening day is the win and the three points, of course. And ultimately, you're going to say, you know, any kind of win will do. But the second thing you're looking for, for me, is a clean sheet. It's not to score four or five goals. It's it's the clean sheet because I think what you see at the, the start of the, the season, as we, we you mentioned earlier, was that teams aren't at their best. And, of course, that applies to attackers as well. But I think it particularly applies to defenders. So I think it, it does them the world of good to get that clean sheet and get that, that confidence. So I think it was a massive save from Malison, or, or more accurately, two saves. Um, and you just, I, I think, as I, I said in the Discord at the time, was it, it reminded me of the. Actually, I said it. Sorry, I was on uh, Rate Don't Hate um, to cover this match, and as I said at the time, it reminded me of the the monk in uh, the movie Mean Machine. If you're familiar with it, you know just those reflex saves, almost <laughs> like martial arts. It, it was insane. I mean, it's. The form Allison has been in in the the last say nine months is is just unreal since since he came back. Yeah, he certainly is. For me, he's the best goalkeeper in the in the league, and it's not really even a close contest. Just the the presence he gives, he just seems to know where to be, and he makes what other keepers would make spectacular saves. He makes them look like easy saves because he's in the right pace, his position, and he's just phenomenal. And yeah, to me, it, it's a big deal. As you say, clean sheets, it just gives everybody a bit of a boost, a bit of a confidence, and it just proves his worth. And it get, I think he get, it gets into the mindset then of of other teams that I remember having the, when De Gea was at the height of his powers and was rescuing United game after game, season after season. It, you just got into that mindset of if he doesn't put this in the top bin, it ain't going in because the hair is going to save it. And I think if if we can have that sort of aura about Allison that puts opposition strikers in that mode, that well, unless I rifle this in the top corner, this guy's going to save it. I think that's that can only do us good as well moving forward. Yeah, and, and I think he already does have that that aura for a lot of um, attackers. You can almost see them second guess themselves even even when they get in a one-on-one situation because he is he's just an absolute colossus between the sticks and I think you know people talk about how much we miss you know we'd miss Trent or Salah if they got injured and obviously we would because they are world-class talents but you know I I think Allison is is up there as well and that we've seen 
what has happened when he's been injured. Um, and we've had to have either Adrian or Kelleher. No, no disrespect to either keeper. They, they both made good contributions for the club. But I think, as you said, Alisson, for, for me, is the best keeper in the league. And, and you want to have him on the, the team sheet. He's the kind of the, the name you look for week in, week out, especially when, obviously, we had those couple of spells in the past couple of seasons where he has missed some games. Absolutely. So that was the opening weekend and a good good solid start, as you say. The, the best you can hope for on the opening weekend is to get a win and a win with a clean sheet is even better. And we managed to achieve that. So then we moved on to Liverpool at home, their first game at home to a fully packed Anfield since March 2019, which it's just quite remarkable now if you think of all the coronavirus pandemic etc we've had over the last 18 months or so so it was great to see it was though the annoying early morning kickoff but no international break no midweek champions league game so if you're going to have one that's the sort of time to have it and you'd much rather have that that game at home so there's no travel involved at all so you'd said you got a bit nervous when you've seen the lineups announced for the Norwich game the previous week what were your thoughts when you saw the lineup for this and a certain Harvey Elliott starting? Yeah, so I mean, it was it was somewhat surprising, but also not surprising given who was missing. I mean, I think potentially if obviously clearly if Fabinho had been available and, and wasn't on um, compassionate leave, he, he would have started. Um, and potentially James Milner is another option that, that might have started, but he, he picked up a knock. But at the same time, while he had a poor game in the first game, in, in I'm speaking about Ox here, he still obviously is a senior player, and, and there would be a, a part of you that would be expecting him to start ahead of Elliot no matter what. But obviously Klopp has a lot of faith in the young lads and he felt he was ready to throw him in for a start and I, I think as we'll come on to Elliot definitely proved him right in that sense He did as you say you, you just wonder if I think Ox was off because his, his partner was due to have a baby that she had either on the day or the day after Milner had picked up a knock Fab had had compassionate leave unfortunately his, his father had passed away so you, you think that it's mitigating circumstances, but it tended to work out quite well. I thought he, he certainly had an impact. You look at the bench, there's still, Thiago was still on the bench. Curtis Jones was on the bench, who, who played a lot of minutes and a lot of games, certainly around the middle point of last season. So it's a big show of faith in him, really, from clock. As much as, as we've got Thor mentioned, the other players that were out, Thiago's fit enough to be on the bench. Jones is on the bench, who... Klopp has known and trusted and played many minutes for us in the past so it was a brave call and especially against a physical team such as Burnley which we'll try and dust over because that's been covered to the hilt and back on various shows and articles but yeah a great show of faith for Elliot and and again he didn't look out of place at all it was a a very assured performance. No certainly I mean he he just exuberates pure confidence you know every touch of the ball you know just screams I'm confident and you know obviously you expect a degree of confidence from a professional footballer but you know this lad he's still a kid effectively and yet he's here with these some absolute world-class players around him obviously in the Liverpool team and, and some grizzled veterans in the Burnley team and he's not phased by any of it you know, he he was relishing every moment on that pitch, and it was it was great to see. And it it made me, who was someone who obviously I didn't doubt his talent whatsoever, but I wondered how ready he was. And you know, it's it's important, you know, to to look to the past and remember when Sterling first came came in. He had hot streaks, and he had times where things he'd drop off, and you know, that's natural for a young lad, and that's going to happen with Elliot. But I I think we definitely have to consider him a. a a decent option at this point, and I'm sure he will see plenty of minutes in the Premier League this season. Yeah, and as various numerous podcasts, articles, reports have said, it is the midfield where Klopp rotates the most. It tends to be Alisson in goal, Trent at right back, Robertson left back, Van Dijk, and 
predominantly if he's fit Matip. It might now be Gomez or Canate pushing for that. But at the moment, the shirt's Matip's. It's always Salah, always Mane. And now a fight, if you like, between Jota and Bobby. But it's the midfield, really, that's very much open and up for grabs for somebody to make a claim for it. You'd say pretty much for Benio is our best option as the six, as the DM. But then the options either side of him is quite open to Klopp, really. I, I just think if this international break has almost done him a bit of a favour, because then with that break, if Elliot doesn't play the next game, it's almost not noticeable. Whereas with a quick turnaround from Burnley to Chelsea, he played well against Burnley, so it would have been harsh, even with the calibre of opposition, to leave him out then. But I think just with the international break, there's just that break there. And if he reverts back to a a midfield of, say, Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho, I don't think it would raise as much eyebrows then. I think people would understand that, that that's why Elliot's been taken out of a limelight. And as you say, you don't want to put too much pressure and too much demand on an 18-year-old kid, really. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I remember Brendan Rodgers, again, going back to Sterling, talking about, you know, the, the need to, to take young lads in and out of the team. And, you know, he felt that they still need to play some minutes down with the, the academy. And it's it's kind of rotating them between the two squads. And I'm, I'm not sure we're going to see quite that extreme with Elliot, but I do think there'll be games where he sits out. And as you said, the Leeds game after the international break looks like a a good opportunity to do that and you know I'm sure he'll be quickly back in the team because we have three games in what feels like quick succession given that we have a European game to come as well so he he will see minutes and you know as will a lot of our midfielders across those games so it's just it, it's nice to have that option and, and he does offer something different to, to the other midfielders we have He does and again there's always arguments about our squad strength and our squad depth, etc, etc. But if you look at the the bench for the Chelsea game, it was fairly strong and there's still a fair few players that would be in the first team squad or even in the first 11, such as Milner and Origi, that weren't even on the bench. So there are probably even going to be circumstances where Elliot's not on the bench. And as you say, maybe he does have to drop back down to the, the under-23s. But I think we've got one of the best man managers in the world in Klopp that will deal with that. And he, he's probably sat down and planned it with Elliot anyway. I know nothing ever sticks to the plan. Injury suspensions happen, but there probably already is a plan that you'll feature in this game, this game, and then I'll take you out for there. And as you say, the, the games come thick and fast in September, so opportunities will be there. But there's going to be games where established players aren't on the bench, aren't, even with nine substitutes that names that have regularly featured for Liverpool in the past don't now feature. So it's it stands o'clock really to manage that and to manage expectations and to keep keep his feet on the ground, if you like. But I think that'll happen. And as you say, Klopp's definitely the right man to do it. But moving on to the game, first goal, Diego Jota once again, a well-worked move down the left-hand side for Liverpool. Costa Simicas again, another impressive performance from the Andy Robertson's deputy swung the ball in and a good header from Jota to get Liverpool 1-0 up. Thoughts on the goal, mate? Yeah, I mean, to, to touch on Simicast, because he did, he done a great job deputising for Robertson, as you said. And, I mean, I, again, watching this game, and similar in the, the Norwich game for large parts, it felt like every cross Simicast came put in was either finding a Liverpool body or resulting in a corner. I mean, he's so accurate with those crosses and he, he just, he'll, he'll run up and down all day to get in behind. So, and that's what you want from a, a Liverpool fullback. So it, it's, you know, I shouldn't be surprised by our scouting. We we know they're on the ball, but they certainly were with this one because we, we unfortunately didn't get to see much of them last season. Um, but it's a great ball from Simicas. And we talked about, well, discussing the first game, how accurate Jota's shot placement is but he's just as accurate with his head he's brilliant at timing his jumps and like as I said he he just simply is a fox in the box you know he can finish with his feet finish with his head he's going to test the keeper and more times than not he's going to find the back of the net definitely and to me it's 
it was almost like a set piece goal, really, because it's Burnley. And I've just watched it now on a clip on YouTube in the build up to it. They have got a set line of five with three in front of them. So they're almost like they would be set up for a set piece. And you expect nothing less. I think Sean Dice does a fantastic job there. But that's the type of goal you wouldn't really expect to score against Burnley. They've got big six foot two, six foot three central defenders. They're well organised, well drilled, well positioned. So for him to sort of sneak in front, I think it was it Tarkovsky or mate Tarkovsky, wasn't it? That was yeah. very, very angry when that goal went in. So you just think that that's a big goal to score against a team like Burnley. You don't often, well, we don't, Man City do. Man City cut them apart year after year and beat them 5-0. But they're the type of team we've struggled against. And when we won the league, they were the only team that, points of us at Anfield and they were the first team to beat us at Anfield last year that started the run so again it was a, a potential banana skin great to have the, the crowd back in and you could hear the cop in full voice that sounded amazing but yeah to score a goal like that against Burnley I thought was it's unheard of for us to almost score a goal like that against a team like Burnley yeah, certainly. I mean, as you touched on, they they are kind of a bogey team for us, and and have been particularly in recent times. So you you are obviously nervous of of playing them, and you want to get that first goal because it's it's always important in a football match, but particularly against a side like Burnley. So it was a great relief to to get the goal, but as you said, it was kind of the the cherry on top that it was a headed goal and that that. Uh, Tarkowski got outfoxed by, by Jada um, so that, that just made it all the better Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro With around 30 premium podcasts every month AI Pro offers the very best reviews reaction and debate on all things LFC From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Molby and Sir Kenny Dalglish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, we'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms, with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. We won't we won't go over the the fallout, if you like, after the game of Klopp's comments of how physical Burnley were, etc. That's been covered to death. One thing I did just want to quickly highlight was when Burnley scored the goal was Ashley Barnes and his celebration, and then that was quickly wiped the smug smile off his face when the flag went up for offside. That 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 pleased me no end. <laughs> me too but uh, at the same time I was relieved because although I knew obviously it was clearly offside uh, Burnley did have a, a decent start to the half um, we, we were we were hoping obviously Liverpool would be straight out of the traps looking for that second goal but they, they took a little while to get going and, and Burnley maybe had their, their best spell in the game at that stage so it was a relief that he was offside Yeah you, you bang on it wasn't again it was it's just, I think the players are still trying to adapt, really, aren't they? It's, it's the second game of the season. It's an early kickoff. It's the first game in front of the fans again at home. So, yeah, I think it's just a lot of people just trying to find their feet, really. But we did it. We we rode out the storm, to use the old cliche. And then a awesome, awesome pass from Virgil van Dijk that, again, has been mentioned numerous times on this channel, on any other fan podcast on anybody just got half a brain that realised we didn't just miss Virgil's defence of leadership and organisation, we missed that out ball as well and what a ball that was out fantastic control from Elliot on the line into Trent who they pinged a wonderful first time ball in and a fantastic finish from Marnik and what a goal that was yeah, certainly. It was a cracking goal. And I mean, there's a lot to, of positives to touch on uh, in this goal, as you suggested. Firstly, you know, Van Dyke, as you said, the pass. 
lot of people said we missed his, him defensively last season, which of course we did. But I, I think we also missed him as a as a playmaker because he, he starts so many attacks off with those kind of passes. And we just didn't have that supply from the, the back, especially when we were bare bones towards the end of the season because, you know, the, the defenders we had there passing wouldn't be their forte. So it was great to have that back. And then, you know, looking at, as you said, the combination between Elliot and, and Alexander-Arnold, which has been a, a great feature since Elliot's come into the team, how, how he's quickly adapted and, and worked on understanding with both Trent and Salah is great to see. And then Mane, you know, I think in the first game, he maybe could have done a little better in, in front of goal. Um, but, you know, I was really impressed with his selfless play. You know, he he played the, the role of the, the creator in the absence of Bobby because obviously Jota and Salah are more the goal scorers. So it, it was just nice to, to see him get a goal because I, I think that's something that he needs for his confidence as he looks to, to shake off last season, which, you know, as he as he admits himself, was, was potentially his worst season in English football. At least he feels it, it was. So it's just great for Mane. And, and what a goal to start things off for him. Yeah, and as you say, at that point then, that's two games into the season and the front four, if you would like to call them now. Have all got off the mark, all got their first goal of the season, and that's a great position to be in. And as you say, Burnley, the last two years, they've took points off us, they've frustrated us. So to just a, a comfortable, if you like, bar a, a 10 minute spell, that the, other than the offside goal, they didn't really threaten or challenge Allison. They just did what Burnley do and made us uncomfortable and pressurised us and put us under the cosh a little bit, but not really any goal threatening moments. It's it was a good start and a good 2-0 win and play 2-1-2. You can't ask for better than that. Yeah, certainly. Um, although I do recall that, that um, Alisson made a good save in, in stoppage time to, to deny Wood. So, you know, it was deja vu just once again. He, he secured the... the and that wasn't a double save and it wasn't as fantastical, but it was nonetheless a, a good save to deny Wood and, and keep the, the clean sheet there for us. So... I'll bow to your better memory than mine on that one, and whether I flanked it out or what, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I but... forgot that Ox was at the birth of his baby, so we're, we're, we're both there you go. So together we'll we'll get through it all. But So as I mentioned, just, just the three games in August, which which tends to be the way now that the season's set out, that you come in, you have these three games, and then everybody goes off for an international break that frustrates the life out of everybody. So... The third game, another home game, Saturday tea time against Chelsea that had also played 2-1-2. I was frustrated with this. I don't know, I don't know what your thoughts were. We won't go into an over-detailed analysis of the game that's been done on, on various shows on AI, but just your overriding thoughts really on, on the one-all draw. I, I think the, the first half, you know, we neither side were particularly good I, I, th- I think Chelsea somewhat edged it I mean I, I think tactically they were that little bit better set up and obviously they, they got the, the first goal which is all important and they they had a decent chance to, to score a second um, although we also had a, a decent chance to, to get a goal in, in that period um, but I, I'd say Chelsea just about edged the, the first half but but not so much that I'd say they deserve to be ahead necessarily. Um, but it, it, it felt like it was a, a concerning position to be in then, to be 1-0 down to Chelsea because they are a, a, a fantastic defensive unit since Tuchel came in. He has them playing as more than the sum of their parts. You know, they, they don't have any outstanding centre-backs. Obviously, Cesar Azpilicueta was a an outstanding centre-back slash right-back a few years ago. He is a great pure defender, but he is getting on a bit now, so he's he's, he's lost maybe a yard, and, and, that, and that can cost you. But nonetheless, they, they are an excellent unit, and we were finding it hard to, to break them down and create chances. You don't want to be behind and allowing them to, to play on the counter, particularly with, with Timo Werner on the bench and the, the option he gives on the break. So it was somewhat of a relief when we got the late equaliser, and, and deservedly so, because we did start to, 
to turn the key a little bit and, and put them under some pressure, which we, we hadn't done uh, for the most part in, in the first half. And uh, I think, I, I don't know why newspapers were leading with lines of controversial sending off and controversial penalty. I mean, when Gary Neville is saying that it's clearly a penalty for Liverpool, you know, it's really a penalty for Liverpool. You know, so I it thought... It is, I mean, I saw it and I thought, that's got to be, he's moved his arm and he's almost scooped the ball up. And when you consider some of the penalties that have been given against us the last season with, with VAR and... That was a clear and obvious handball, and whether you can argue it's fair or it's unfair or however you want to dress it up, that's prevented a goal-scoring opportunity, so that has to be a red card. And the flip side of that is if he doesn't send him off and then Mo misses the penalty, what what's the outcome then? It's Or if, do you know what I mean? It's that, them, them are the rules. He's prevented a clear goal-scoring opportunity. The ball was on the line. It was going in. It's not like it was 10 yards out and it could have gone this way or that way. It was on the line. It was going to go in. He's handled it to stop it deliberately. So it's got to be the red card and, and the penalty. And, and I can't see any other outcome, really. And if it was against us, my opinion would be the same. I agree completely. I think he I think he knew. He, he tried to play dumb, but he knew what he was doing, Reese James. And, and credit to him, you know, he was cute about it. And I think in a pre-VAR world, he probably would have gotten away with it unless the, the ref was right on top of the action, but he does move his arm towards the the, the, go, the ball. And, and it, as you said, it's almost like a scooping action. So he knew what it was he was doing. He's prevented a goal. It's it's a penalty. It's a red card. End of story. And there, there's no debate to be had. And I don't know why the Chelsea players were losing their, their heads and, and getting yellow cards. And I think, to be honest, a couple more than probably could have gotten yellows for how in the face of the ref they were. Um, but obviously, it was it was fortunate timing for us, let's say, to to equalise right on the, the stroke of half time. And for that reason, I went into the halftime thinking, we're going to win this game. You know, the, the three points are there for us. And, you know, second half, we came out with that attitude and I thought it's only a matter of time. I mean, Chelsea looked to be back to the wall defending. It looked like they were going to break at any moment. And then it just felt like we took our foot off the gas and that allowed Chelsea a moment to breathe and regroup. And then you have to hand it to Chelsea in the last half an hour. As if we, we weren't at our best in a creative sense, but nonetheless, they were so well organized and they battled so hard to earn themselves that point. And there's there's ifs and buts. You know, we could look at the subs and say maybe if Klopp had made them a little earlier. I mean, we, we say that about Klopp uh, often enough. But nonetheless, I think the players that were on the pitch should have been good enough to break down a 10-man Chelsea, and I, I just don't think they they were at their best, unfortunately. Yeah, and again, it's hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it, to sit, see now. At the same, really, with the starting lineup, you could argue that Simicass and Cater had been two of our better players in the opening two games of the season, but Robertson has done it for three, four years for Klopp now. So you can understand the reasons why he would want him in again. The level of opposition, you think if it was a Crystal Palace at home or a Brighton at home, would he have made the same decisions? But for a game of that magnitude, you, you can fully understand why. The Cater one for me was a bit disappointing with just how well he'd he played the first two games that he was the midfielder to miss out, but we've already spoken about maybe the reasons why Elliot got the call and Jordan Henderson's club captain. So I certainly wasn't fuming when the team came out. I could certainly understand why Klopp had made those decisions, but as you say, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but you just think if he'd have gone with the two form players, could it have been a different outcome if he'd have made the subs 10 minutes earlier? Could that have changed things? But it is what it is. It's happened the way it is. And I just hope at the end of the season, that's a point gained rather than two dropped. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it, it was disappointing at the time and it, it's still somewhat disappointing now, given that it was our last game. But I mean, as you say, when you get to the end of the season and, and we drew with Chelsea, you know, Chelsea might go to City and, and win or go to United and win. And, you know, we, we might think, you know, that that wasn't a bad result. You know, Ch- Chelsea are a tough team when they, they play the, the top teams because some, some teams can have that, that strength in that they're particularly 
good against strong opposition. You know, they're they're tight defensively. They're good on the counter, and and that might might be the type of team Chelsea are. And I think we we based on what we've seen of them under Tuchel when they've played the bigger teams, that that is how they've approached it. That's how they they beat Man City twice last season. So I, I think it's not the worst results. I mean, given not, I, I think. Chelsea have looked quite good uh, at the start of this this season, and, and maybe that little bit. Not that we've looked bad; we've we've looked pretty good ourselves as, as well. But I, I think if you were to pick one team that have looked maybe the best so far this season, I'd argue it's it's probably between Chelsea and and Spurs. So you know, uh, we're not a hundred percent yet. We have a few players that are still kind of coming back off the back of injuries and and things like that. So it, it's not the worst result in the world and in the grand scheme of things no just one final thing i know we've dusted around a bit and gone backwards and forwards here there's been a lot of talk about transfer deadline passing this week liverpool not adding any more players a lot of talk about needing an attacking player and using this chelsea game as an example that with five minutes to go the change clock chooses is to switch the left back robertson for simicas but then the arguments i've seen for that is how much attacking play of ours comes from our fullbacks and the sheer number of assists and goal involvements Trent and Robertson have had the last two, three years and back to the early, the game the week before, ball in from the left from Simicas, shot a goal. So can you see the logic for Klopp making that decision? Are you do you understand what I mean? It it could have that could have been as effective as a forward change, if you like, just getting that fresh, fresh pace, fresh pair of eyes on, on the wing almost, because that's how our fullbacks play. And he was coming off two positive performances and an assist in the cast. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some people questioning the the substitutions that the club made. You know, why didn't he bring on an attacker? Because the you know Salah and Mane weren't having their best game, and and that's true. And and he did have Taki there, but. I think when, as you said, when you look at how our fullbacks are our creators, and Andrew Robertson, he's just on the back of an injury. He's not a hundred percent. He didn't look at his best on on the day, and you could see that early doors. And given how good Simicasa was in the first two games, I think it made sense to to bring him on because, you know, I, I think we were probably finding the most space against Chelsea in wide areas as well. You know, once they gathered themselves, as I said, it was very hard to get at them through the centre. They were kind of reducing us to long shots. So I completely agreed with that change and, and equally so with, with taking Henderson off for, for Thiago. I mean, he set a passing record against a, a 10-man Chelsea last season. My, my only gripe with it was that he, he didn't do it a few minutes earlier, as as we previously said. He did, and again, we're, we're all experts, aren't we, sat at home watching them. We all obviously have our opinions, and if... I mean, I, I can't really think of any solid, solid chances we had in the second half. We had a couple of long-range efforts and a couple of maybe half moments in the box, but if... If Simicas does cross one in and Jota scores, nobody's really questioning that, are they? But rightly or wrongly, that's the way the majority of fans then see it. Obviously, the analytics department, etc., would still delve deep in into look at performances. But us mere mere mortal fans there were very fickle by our nature, aren't we? So it's it's easy to question because it didn't quite go our way and we didn't get the win. But if we had it, then I'm sure not nobody would we would have really questioned Klopp and the decisions he made. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 all it's the 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 drawbacks of being a football fan. You know, when it is uh, when things don't go your team's way, you you can find a million holes in it, and then when they do, you, you don't care about the holes. <laughs> That's just the way it is. It's there's no point in dwelling on on the the ifs and buts. As I said, we can point, we can suggest them, but you know, we never know for sure what a difference they would have made. No, absolutely. But it's, it's, all, it's all part of the fun and it gives us something to do, doesn't it? To, to have a sit and a chat about it and, and reflect, as you say, either way. But you, you'll never know. So we'll leave it there for now. So traditional Reds review moments now. If we look back at the month of August, I'm going to ask you for your player of the month and your goal of the month from Liverpool's first three games. Player of the month? Um 
Oh, it's, it's, it's so fun. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Harvey Elliott because I, I think in the, the two games he started and, and even in his 10-minute cameo against Norwich, he's just been the, the surprise, you know, the, the delight of the, the start of the season. I, I, you know, as I said in the, the front end of the show when we were talking about his inclusion, you know, we knew he was a talent, but we didn't know how ready he was. And it's just... A, it's almost like I, I'm not going to use the cliche, but it, it it's like having another option in the squad that you necessarily weren't banking on, and now you can feel you can bank on him a little. So I'm, I'm going to go with Elliot. That's a very good shout off. I was very torn on this one. I don't think there's been a real standout when I've hosted the show in previous years, previous months. It's been a, a very very easy decision. So we say this time was a bit. A bit hard. I think I'm going to go for Simakash, you know. I think, again, the last two years, we have flogged Andy Robertson into the ground. He has pretty much played every minute of every game in the league, in the Champions League. And even when Simakash was available on the bench last year, Robertson looked flogged for numerous reasons. Lack of a solid centre-back pairing, disruption all across the team. He just didn't really get a look in. He didn't really get his minutes, but... I think the two games he started, he really did make a positive impact to the team. He got his assist. Yes, he had a couple of niggly moments against Norwich where he was maybe caught out of position or his passing wasn't quite accurate. But I thought for, for somebody as high a quality as Robertson has been for us, the drop-off wasn't noticeable at all, really. And that's testament to how well Simic has started the season. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he, he's been another pleasant surprise because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, he, he didn't really feature last year, so we can we can't even really judge him on last season. So it's it's almost as if he was signed this summer, um, and it, it is nice just to have that option and, and know at least one of the flanks is well covered. Absolutely, I'm going to jump in ahead of you now because I'm the host and I can't give you my goal of the month. I'm going to go with Marnes against Burnley. I just loved. That ball from Virgil, as we spoke about, that's a key element of our play that we missed when he was out. The control from Elliot on the touchline, just the quickness to pass it to Trent and just that pass from Trent, just so simple. But just the weight on it was perfect. The position of it was perfect. And just it was good just to see Mane just score without thinking about it. We can say what we want about Mane, whether his forms of Apache or standards have dropped a bit they're very very high standards let's not forget that the, how good Sadio Mane has been for us the year we won the league the year we won the Champions League and just to see him score a goal like that that was the Mane we've all known and loved since he's been at Liverpool that was the Liverpool we've known and loved since Van Dijk was there and to me that was an amazing goal I loved that goal yeah it was a fantastic goal as, as I said when we were discussing the match you know there's just everything involved in it, the, the build-up, the finish, just just unreal. Um, for me, I, I was kind of hemming and hawing between Mane's and, and another goal, but seeing as you went with Mane's, I'm going to go with Salah's against Norwich. Um, it, it's just a, you know, we, as you said, we're, we're always waiting on the opening day for Salah to score a goal. And maybe this year for the first time, you're kind of like, was he actually going to miss out this time? And then... Not at all. He just comes up with a, an excellent finish, gets it around bo- a couple of bodies and beyond cruel. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's just a solid goal. <laughs> it's the, we, we come to expect it is, from them, but they're, they're not, they're not any less special. No, fully agree. It was, as, you, as we've mentioned numerous times now, it was, the opening day, you're always looking for your main man to get off and running early on in the season and to score a goal of that quality just gave everybody, if you like, if they needed that gentle reminder of, of how good a player we've got on our hands then. And as you say, it was the third of the front three scoring and then the next game, Mane got off as well. So it was a great start in all fronts that way. So seven points from the opening nine. Not a not too bad a start. One probably most people would have took before the season started. As you say, the main frustration really just that that forty five against Chelsea and not being able to break them down. But 
I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like you said, they, they will take points off City and United. They will take points off Tottenham. It will be competitive at the top end of that league this season. There's no doubt about it. And to quote the famous Simon Brundish from the wonderful under pressure chat, beat the dross and you'll win the league. And so far we've done that. We've beaten Norwich away. We've beaten Burnley at home. And I don't think a draw against Chelsea hopefully won't prove to be that costly. Now we come on to the fun part, the predictions part. And unless you're fortunate or unfortunate enough to join me for the next month, Red Review podcast, you don't have to face the results of this, if you like. So if you don't do too well in it, there's no fallback for you. Whereas me as the host, I get reminded of my predictions. So no pressure on me then. So we start the month 12th of September, Sunday, 4.30 against Leeds away. And the quick thing I want to mention on that, I'm delighted about after an international break to have a Sunday 4.30 kickoff rather than a Saturday 12.30 kickoff is great for me. I know it's 24 hours and it is away, but it's only Leeds, so it's not a particularly far away game. But just that extra 24 hours with, with our players travelling here, there and everywhere, I think that that's a big boost to me. What do you think? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the last thing you want is a 12.30 kickoff on a Saturday after the international break. So and we're about as far away as you, you can be from that. I mean, we are as far away as you can be from that, given that we have a, a midweek game to, to come the following week. So it, it's great to see that it's it's handy. And uh, I'm sure we're going to see our players that, that little bit more in the, they're going to have that little bit more in the tank against Leeds, which is what you need against Leeds because it, it is it is a battle of the engines at, at the end of the day. It is. So I'll make a start on this. Well, it's an away game. It's Leeds. There, they haven't really started the season as strongly as people might have expected. Second sin, season syndrome and also, I'm going to go with a two-one Liverpool win. Yeah, I'd I'd echo that. I mean, I think when you you look at our games against Leeds last season, they were were tight for the most part. I mean, I think in the the second game we did kind of outplay them for an hour, but we we failed to get that second goal, and then we lost. We we ran out of steam, and they pushed us back for the the re- remainder of the match. And I think they're they're a team that they're tricky for us in in the way they play and as you said they haven't been at their best but i'm sure they'll raise their game to play us they they generally tend to do so so i i think it'll be tight but i think we'll just about get the win so i'll i'll go with 2-1 as well 2-1 as well just bear with me my computer has froze and then we the game starts to come thick and fast and we move on to the champions league and AC Milan at home. Not the AC Milan of old, maybe, but still a tricky tie, but glad to get the first game in the Champions League at home. So what are your thoughts for that one? I think I'll, I'll go with a, a 3-1. Um, I, I don't, you know, the, the first Champions League game of the season, emotions are always high, and I, I don't think that the team is ever as organised as it's going to be in the, the latter stages. So I won't quite go with a, a clean sheet and Milan are a, a decent side in their own right. Um, but I think we tend to be quite free scoring in Europe. And I think we're going to see a continuation of that. I, I think that the likes of Mane, Salah, Jota, they, they love a European tie. So I think we'll get a few goals on the day. So as I said, 3-1. Fabulous. Um, I think we'll keep a clean sheet. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with two nil. I think we'll manage a clean. I will go for two nil. You went for three one, and then we move on to the 18th of September where we play Crystal Palace at home. The newly appointed Patrick Vieira there haven't started the season brilliantly, but they made quite a lot of signings. Another signing in on deadline day, Edward from Celtic, who certainly knew where the net was up in Scotland. So, thoughts for that game, Crystal Palace at home. Yeah, I think Palace have undergone a, a rebuild this summer. I, mean, I think that's an understatement. Uh, they they had to, given the, the amount of ageing players out of contract that they had. And I think they've signed quite well. A, a lot of talents have, have come in the door. As you said, Edouard, 
Um, Anderson at the back, uh, we saw what he was about last season. Um, Gwehi, um that, that they brought in from Chelsea, another very talented young centre-half. So there, there's a lot of talent in there, but because they've done so much business at once, it's very disjointed. And you're seeing that with, with, with the results. They, they don't quite look a team yet. You can see the individuals, but you, you can't see the team. And I think, obviously, they, they have one more game between now and then um, after the international break. But I don't think that's quite enough time to start working that team understanding. So I think you don't really want to be coming up against one of the top dogs when you're still trying to find your your how your team works as a unit. So I, I think it'll be quite comfortable for Liverpool. I'll go with a 3-0. Uh, I agree with you fully. I think, yeah, 3-0, Crystal Palace. New team, new manager. They're a team, really, that, to quote Mr Brundish, beat the dross, win the league, a home tie against a team like that. There's no excuse not, not to win, really. With the quality in our squad... The depth that we have, we should be able to, depending on the midweek result against Milan and, and what team Klopp picks for that, even make a few changes here and there. But I think the Milan's on the Tuesday night, is it? And then the Crystal Palace game at the Saturday tea time. So there's plenty of time in between the two games. So no excuse not to. Wednesday night, sorry, the AC Milan game, but still plenty of time in between the two games. So 3 0, same as you. And then we move on to, in a way, the most intriguing game of the month because it's the good old Carabao Cup, as it's called these days. Competition, the clock got to the final within his first season with us, but since then hasn't really taken it seriously. So, again, you would expect a string of changes for this one. But saying that, the likes of Gomez, Canate could well get a game, you would think, depending on who's the shake-up in midfield is there, Simicast could get a game. One we could probably still win because, again, you would think Norwich won't take it as serious because their focus will be on staying in the Premier League. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 Liverpool win. Yeah, uh, I mean, the the Gomez-Canate partnership will be very in, intriguing. They looked looked quite good in pre-season. They seem to be working in early understanding. And I'm really intrigued to see what, what uh, attacking lineup uh, Klopp is going to go with in that one you know are we going to see uh the likes of Divac Origi rolled out um but I, I do think well I think Norwich have a better squad than they did the last time round in the Premier League because they've signed a lot of players this summer and, and some of which are, are quite decent but I still think obviously their their secondary team is a is a big step down from the the first team and I think that there'll probably be some youngsters sprinkled in there so I do think, you know, even with some rotation, we will have too much for them. So I'm going to go with a 3-1 Liverpool. Including Ozan Kabak, that they managed to snap up on deadline day with a, for a season-long loan. So good signing for Norwich. But yeah, as you say, it's not a competition clock takes seriously. But even the second string, if you like, the ones that are pushing to get in the first team, you go misses, you can Simicasses, any... Cater, for example, Ox could be in and amongst the midfield. Elliot, we should we should have enough. And then back back to the fiery Premier League. On paper, potentially tricky game away at Brentford. Newly promoted team have beaten Arsenal. Not that that's saying much to form Arsenal are in currently, but a tricky away game there at Brentford. So, what are your thoughts for that one? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. They've had an excellent start to the season and they look like a team who are greater than the sum of their parts, but they also have a, a couple of notable talents there. And I think, you know, uh, lucky we have some of the best centre-halves in the league because I think Tony is going to test most centre-backs on his day because he's he's a great centre-forward. So I don't think it'll be the comfortable. I mean, I, I think I've been quite positive in my last few predictions um, but I, I don't think this one will be as easy going but I still think we'll just have that bit too much for them so I'm going to go with a 2-1 Liverpool Yeah it's, again it's hard, it's hard doing this isn't it because it's there's four games before that and anything could happen and to, to them or us let's be fair with suspensions with injuries with 
any, any number of factors. But looking at it, as as you say now, I think Ivan Tony will certainly be up forever. Virgil has looked in perilous in the first three games, really. And even last night for Holland, he looked very, very affected back back to the Virgil we all know and love and missed last year. So I think by that point, you'd hope that we've found our rhythm, we've found our fate. And we don't know on a time of recording this what the, the situation with Firmino is and if if he's going to be available, when he's going to be available, who else Klopp is fancying, whether Minamino or Origi are going to pick up any minutes here or there. But again, you just think that the likes of Salah, Mane, Thiago, Fabinho, we would have enough in the locker really and not a comfortable win, but I'm going to go with a 2-0 win. Just remind me, what did you say there? 2-1, you said, didn't you? 2-1, yeah. Not fancying the clean sheet. And then we move on. We finish the month of September, the 28th of September, back to the Champions League. A very familiar team for Liverpool that we've played numerous times. Porto away. Porto, who have Marco Gruwich. Did they got Gruwich? Did they sign him permanently yep. now? After him being unknown there last year. So tricky away game but with Atletico to come probably the best away game we could have had to start the campaign and I would be looking for two wins from two here and and three points and to try and get those points on the board in the Champions League as early as possible. Yeah uh, I think really we've arguably got the the two best fixtures to start the group that we, we could have hoped for because they're they're probably the they are the two weaker teams in the group and we have the probably the second weakest at home and then we have the weakest uh, away and and that's probably the best as as we said you could hope for um you know as much as atletico are probably our bogey team in europe we are probably Porto's bogey team in Europe. I'm I'm quite good friends with a big Porto fan, and I think he was devastated to get us in their group. Doesn't enjoy playing us at all. Um, and I think that trend will probably continue. So with that in mind, I'm going to say 3-1 Liverpool on the day. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1 as well. I'm going to copy your score on that one. I think they do have a goal in them, and again, it. It's perhaps a game Klopp will look to to make a few changes from his regular. The games do come thick and fast. The next league game after that is Manchester City that will be at the certainly on his mind, much as he'll say that it isn't, and it's game at a time. But I think it is key with Atletico away and then home to come that if we can get a start of play 2-1-2 in the Champions League, I think that would be a dream for us, really. That's the key for me is to, is to get the play 2-1-2 in the Champions League, get the points on the board nice and early before the glut of fixtures start arriving in October, November time and, and another international break arrives. So I think that's pretty much it. That's the show. We've looked back at August. We've had a, a preview for September. So anything coming up for you on the horizon, Carl? Anything people should know about? Yes. Yeah, so Guy and myself recorded... Uh, one-up podcast earlier in the week so if you're into your video games check that out we had a quick run through some of the showcases from gamescom and we'll probably be recording again next week to to cover some of the the games more in depth that that were shown off at gamescom so give that a listen if that's what you're into fabulous sounds good and as always stick with ai content comes thick and fast on the free side or if you're not already a subscriber to ai pro make sure you are there'll be plenty of previews in and around the leads game and then after the game there'll be plenty of post-match shows as well so for now for this month thank you very much carl and i shall speak to you again soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.